Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast with me, your host, Damian Mason. We get together every week right here and discuss issues impacting the industry of food, fuel, fiber, and farming. Got a hell of a show for you today because it's something that is very intriguing to me and also a lot of my uh, uh, my commentary on this has been well received. I wrote a blog article here a week or two ago and it was about the issue of trends. Simply, I asked the question, you know, what do we do to navigate trends? How do you succeed? succeed as an industry and as a product when the trend is no longer your friend. Got a lot of traction and action and I uh, I did a Facebook Live about it and I decided, you know what, I'm going to expand on this topic because this is something that everyone in our industry needs to sort of have a handle on and understand the reality of what we're dealing with. Because trends in food and food fads, consumer taste preferences, which are always moving, impact us as a industry more than they ever have before. Why? Because food is more readily available than it has ever been. Therefore, it can be impacted by what's popular, what's hot at the moment, what's this new trend or fad. You know, you think about it, we, the business of agriculture, has been around for about 10,000 years. Some of you might remember I had a bumper sticker that said, uh, nourishing human advancement for 10,000 years. So about 10,000 years ago, humans started cultivating crops, started domesticating livestock, became what we would now say are beyond hunter-gatherers, you know, the idea of let's settle down here. And because of that, we created a society, we created cultures, we created cities. As I always point out, there would have been no architecture were there not first agriculture because we made it so that we grew enough food so that now uh, the cobbler could specialize in producing shoes and some other person could be a stone cutter and then the stone cutter could uh, do a certain amount but he needed an architect to say let's make these stones into a big castle agriculture really is at the foundation of all that and why i'm telling you this is not only because of my great pride in our industry but more importantly what we now have, which has really only been in the last hundred years. So you got 10,000 years of human evolution and advancement predicated on an agricultural industry that was our cornerstone, if you will. But in the last 100 years, fads and trends and consumer tastes and preferences, especially in affluent countries, you and I both know that in China, they're eating better than they ever have. But as recently as 50 or 100 years ago, they ate what they could get their hands on. In Sub-Saharan Africa, much the same story. You know, it's very hand to mouth. But in Europe, North America, Australia, and now much of South America, China, India, countries that are more affluent now because we've learned how to produce food are more affected by trends. And the issue is trends are fickle. You know, you say, all right, what do we do? We just catch on with the trend. Trends are human in their basis, and humans are fickle by their nature. So I wrote an article called The Trend is Your Friend Until It's Not, and I used milk as my example. And many of you know I've got a dairy farm background. I rent my farmland to a large commercial dairy operator here in Indiana. So I keep up with milk. My brother was a milk producer until uh, six or seven years ago. I'm a dairy guy. I still drink my whole chocolate milk every morning. I love dairy. And I read an article two weeks ago in the Wall Street Journal. If you're really bored, you can look it up. It's uh, it's from May 6th. So while, the, while this comes out a little later it might be a while but milk slump creams dean foods and that was sort of what got me going about this because milk has really been fighting a trend against milk 
for about 70 years. So let me kind of give you the whole lowdown here. For most of human advancement, for most of human history, food was difficult to come by, difficult to produce, and in short supply. But all of a sudden, we got really, really good at making food. About 10,000 years ago, we're struggling. 5,000 years ago, still struggling. 2,000 years ago, people are still eating mush. And here we get to the 1900s, and we got finally people eating pretty darn well. I'm 50 years old, so about the time I was born, it got to where we had the opposite problem. Instead of food being in scarce supply, places like the United States had an oversupply, a surplus. We still have this today. Why do you think corn and soybean prices are so low? Because in general, the globe has way too much corn, soybean, wheat, and milk. So using milk as our example, we've been able to produce the heck out of it and now we have so much of it. So what I'm going to tell you uh, in our time here today is not only the reality of the situation, but how do we get better at fighting through the trend? How do we produce, sell, market, promote, and also prosper through the trend? Because that's going to be the challenge for all of us. There's going to be trends from now until the, until the end of time, especially when it comes to our food product, because the consumer can be more choosy. Why? Because the, the consumer has lots and lots of choices. Consumer has plenty of money. The consumer can choose. The consumer can go with what the fad says, what Dr. Oz is doing, what their yoga partner tells them they're doing. Gluten-free, it's killed milk because it's killed cereal. The anti-processed food movement, if you will. It's not really a movement. It's just a consumer trend. A lot of processed food that used to sell back in the old days. Boxes and boxes of Pop-Tarts and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't sell anymore like it used to because there's a trend going against processed foods in cardboard boxes. All right. So here's the big story then. Uh, about what, what set this off. Dean Foods, if you don't know, is a huge dairy conglomerate. They have, uh, according to this article... They have now a worth as a company of 5% of what it was just 10 years ago. Think of that. Today, they're worth 5% of what their value was 10 years ago. They've lost 95% of their value. Not very good, right? They have about 58 processing facilities across 29 states, but they started shuttering them last year. Now, a lot of folks that are well-intentioned, but maybe not economically-minded ag people told me, well, Damien, it's because of Walmart. Walmart started producing and processing their own milk. Okay, maybe Dean Foods is suffering because Walmart decided to start their own processing plant to be in charge of their own supply and their own processes. That might have some relevance and truth. However, Walmart did not invent the bigger problem, and that is that dairy is simply out of favor. Milk consumption has been declining since 1947. You've heard me talk about this. Maybe you have not. In the old days, post-World War II, we're prospering. Man, we're going great guns. We're making as much milk as Bessie can give, and we're drinking it up. 47 gallons of milk per American per year consumed 1947. Last year, about 16 gallons. Did you hear that? We have one-thirded ourselves. We took away two-thirds of milk consumption. Now, fortunately, starting in the 1970s, the cheese promotion really took off. Remember the real seal? Maybe some, some of you remember when that came about. And then pizza has been amazing. We're eating about three to three and a half times as much cheese per American today as we did in 1970 when I was a little baby. 
Yogurt, same story. Nobody ate yogurt back in the old days, 1930s, 40s, 50s. Who the hell would even know what yogurt was? Yogurt took off in the 1970s. Got a shot in the arm about 10 years ago with this thing called Greek yogurt. Chobani came along, bailed out dairy. You know, it takes a lot of milk to make cheese more so than fluid milk. But the reality is the trend is against dairy. So I've used that as my base only because I'm a dairy farm kid. I'm not anti-dairy. Remember, I love dairy. June Dairy Month is coming up. I'll be there on social media drinking my chocolate milk, eating my cottage cheese, and shoving down a milkshake every now and again. But the trend is what it is. And we must decide, can we change that? I came up with three methods on how we can fight the trend and prosper through the trend. I'm going to get to those in more in depth later, but the reality is you want to prosper through the trend. You adjust your production, you create new products, or you change your promotion. And I'm going to get into those a little bit more later on, but let's talk about what these trends mean for us. Because while I'm using dairy as my example, while I'm using dairy as my example, it could be anything. You know, we also eat less lard today than we ever did in the 1930s, 40s, 50s. We eat less beef today than we did in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. I'm going to give you some of these numbers later on. So the question is, and I'm, I'm honestly posing this, do you think there's a way to prosper and not have trends? I think no. I think that trends are here to stay because we have choice and we have such amazing productivity and we have more and more choice. So if that's the case, what do we do to prosper through the trend? And again, I told you I was going to give you the three methods, but they're pretty simply this. You adjust production up or down to accommodate the trend. That's option number one. So in dairy's case, we're drinking less milk. We're still getting through about the same amount of milk product, thankfully, due to cheese. But we can adjust production. Well, you know, the thing about adjusting production, usually that's not voluntary. Usually that is involuntary. In fact, usually that comes with a lot of grief and heartache. 2,700 dairy farms closed their doors last year, sold the cows, went out of business. Now, a lot of folks are going to say, oh, that's because of these big dairies. Again, it's because of too much milk. Let's not fight over who did what to who, because the reality is we all produce for a marketplace. And if the marketplace has too much milk, guess what? Somebody's going to probably go out of business as long as they continue to produce. So if you want to navigate the trend, option number one, adjust production up or down to accommodate the trend. When everybody's eating something, produce more of it. See, again, that's how markets work. Supply matches demand or supply tries to catch up to demand, and in the meantime, prices shoot up because of the demand. Give you avocados, for example. Just a year or two ago, they began a checkoff program for avocados. Now, maybe you knew this. There are 22 different commodity products that have a checkoff program. 22 agricultural products have a checkoff program. Avocados are the newest. And everybody in the avocado world might feel like they're brilliant that they invented this checkoff program and went from two pounds of avocado consumption per American per year about a decade or two ago to today 15 pounds of avocados per American per year are consumed. You know, the millennials like avocado toast. Go to a lot of delis and they'll throw an avocado on your turkey club. Uh, I see avocados on salads. 20 years ago, I didn't. You get the picture. Is that because of the promotion or because of the trend? 
I would argue both. I would say that it's because of the promotion and also because avocados caught the trend. On the flip side, there's beef. Beef, when we were children, depending on how old you are, or if you're my age, let's say 1969, the year of my birth, we ate 82 and a half pounds of beef per year. Pretty amazing, huh? The year of our bicentennial here in the United States of America, we ate 94 pounds of beef in the United States of America. Guess what it was last year? 57. Not an all-time low. All-time low would probably be in 2014. We were down under 54 pounds of beef per American per year. So these trends are real. And what we got to say is, all right, our first option to navigating and prospering through a trend is to adjust production up or down. Right now, avocados are producing as much as they could possibly produce because we're going crazy on avocado consumption. Beef, on the other hand, would love it if we had the numbers that we had back when I was born of 84 pounds or 82 and a half pounds of beef per American. But instead, we're sitting there around 57. The reason you got to be aware of this is because everything comes down to supply and demand when you're talking about agricultural economics. But can you increase demand to sell more supply? And that's where points number two and points number three come in. To successfully navigate a trend, you can, number two, create new products that capture the trend. I have been fairly critical of my friends in dairy for a long time because they focused on production. How much milk can we squeeze out of Bessie, put it in a jug, and make sure we get it out there? Production, production, production. They love to talk about hundred weights of milk. However, look at what's happened to the beverage marketplace. Today we have Red, Red Bull, Rockstar, uh, and 19 different monster energy drinks. There was no energy drinks when we were kids, when I was a kid anyway. We have all the different soda pops. And you can say right now, we, we know this to be fact, that in general, full calorie soda pop is losing favor right now because of all the PR going against it and the high fructose corn syrup debate. And then there's the obesity and the diabetes issue that we have here in this country. But there are still a tremendous amount of options and alternatives to milk in the carbonated beverage aisle. Then you've got the milk alternative, fake milk, plant milk, whatever you want to call it, not milk, milk. You've got cashews, hemp, hemp milk, <laughs> drink the beverage, smoke the carton. Woo, pass me the Pop-Tarts, baby. Woo-hoo, I'm as high as can be. Okay, you've got uh, rice milk, soy milk, peanut. I mean, you name it, we're throwing away, uh, we're throwing something out there on the marketplace that is some kind of milk alternative. Now, why do those all exist? Because they know that this is a trend that is growing. So again, they created a new product to capture the trend. Whereas dairy sits over there and says how much milk we can make, dairy's competitors are coming up with things to capture the trend, products that capture a trend, if you will. So that's a real thing. Look at Greek yogurt, captured a trend. Look at now growth and organic. I just heard today, today on rural radio, as I was driving around my hometown here doing some errands, I just heard today that organic now amounts to 6% of the vegetable or, or I'm sorry, of the products, of the food products is a full 6%. Now in vegetables and fruits, it's a considerable amount more than that. 6% of all food products now are organic and 56, I'm sorry, $52 billion of sales. 
52 billion. The first year, 2018 was the first year that we surpassed $50 billion in organic food sales. So that is a trend that's probably here to stay. Can you innovate and create a new product that would capture that trend? What about seafood? I haven't talked to you about this, but a month ago, I was a consultant to the shrimp industry. The shrimp industry would like to grow shrimp consumption here in the United States. Most shrimp in the United States does come from imports and from farms in other countries. India, Indonesia, Vietnam, Ecuador, Vietnam, Thailand, a little bit of China. That's where your shrimp comes from. 92% of the shrimp consumed in the United States of America comes from a farm in another country. Less than 6 or 8% of it is actually caught wild down in the Gulf, and there's a couple of shrimp farms in the United States, but it's minuscule compared to the total global supply. And there's your shrimp lesson. About 4.2 pounds of shrimp is consumed per American per year. They would like to grow that number. They brought me in and said, Damien, can we do this through promotion? I, of course, said yes, but you also need to capture the trend. You know, you're not going to be like blueberries and say, hey, you like your Greek yogurt? Throw some blueberries in there. Ha, huh. now you just did some joint marketing. You cap captured a trend because Greek yogurt's very popular. How do you do that with shrimp? Hey, throw some shrimp in your Greek yogurt, ain't gonna happen. Hey, you know what else is really popular? Craft beer. Now there's something that would work. What goes along with craft beer? Shrimp. I pointed out to them that they're gonna need marketing money. Now the checkoff programs that have uh, in, are in place for these other 22 agricultural products are not in place for shrimp or any other seafood product. So they will need the money to make this happen. But even then it's not a guarantee. Look at beef. Beef has had marketing money since 1985 with the beef research uh, agreement. And I, I can give you the exact name of that. It's called, it was passed in 1985, the Beef Promotion and Research Act of 1985, which created the checkoff program. The Beef Promotion and Research Order uh, was issued and they began collecting money in 1986. They spend about $72 million through collections on beef promotion. But even at that, they've lost 22 pounds of consumption since the year that this thing was invented. In 1985, we ate 79 pounds of beef, and now it's 57. So it begs the question, has checkoff money and promotion done any good? I would say that yes, it has, because that number could be worse. Meaning, without a marketing and, promotioning and promotional arm, Without research, trying to find new ways and bringing in chefs and saying, here's a great way to cook flank steak. Without those things in place, maybe we'd have lost more than 22 pounds of consumption. So you got production, which of course you can adjust up or down to accommodate the trend. You've got the creation of new products, innovation, if you will, to capture the trend. Think Greek yogurt. Think milk alternatives. Think now plant meat. There's a trend, for whatever reason, and I am not a plant meat eater, away from beef. So you think that's not innovative? Of course it is. You think coming up with a plant-based burger is not innovative? Of course it is. It's a new product that accommodates a trend and will capitalize on it. And then the third option is to change your promotional methods to appeal to the trend. This is where a lot of agriculture, I, I really was so happy that the fish and seafood and shrimp people brought me in as a consultant because I gave them the lowdown on all these other checkoff programs. And I talked about some of the dangers with the checkoff programs. Many of the checkoff programs have folks that are agricultural producers on their board. 
And they love to produce because one thing we in agriculture are good at is producing. One thing we like to do, produce stuff. And by God, we are good at it. So we get so good at producing and we love producing and we're so remarkable at our producing. What ends up happening? Well, we, we focus on that. And then our promotional side struggles. And that's what happens when you take farmers and producers of commodity product and then put them in charge of the selling and marketing. No offense, but the average farm person is probably a pretty far uh, removed personality from being a sales-oriented marketing personality. Take dairy, for instance. Has had a checkoff program, a very well-funded promotional arm through the dairy checkoff program since the 1980s. Invented the Got Milk campaign. Actually, it was California milk producers that did that. And the Got Milk campaign so successful. It was so neat. And the milk mustache, so neat, so successful. But they stuck with it for 21 years. That's a problem. When you stick with a marketing campaign for 21 years, it's probably gotten stale. Everything gets a little long in the tooth. You know, Chevrolet sold a hell of a lot of pickup trucks because of the Like a Rock campaign. Some in advertising believe the Like a Rock campaign was some of the best marketing and advertising ever conceived. You remember that amazing commercial? The Chevrolet bouncing around out over the work site or coming over a pasture out in a ranch country. Bob Seger's amazing voice saying, like a rock. It made you feel good. It made you want to buy a Chevrolet truck because it was like a rock. It was going to stand by you. It was American. They stuck with that ad campaign for eight years. Dairy stuck with Got Milk for 21. Was the Got Milk campaign three times better than Like a Rock? I would say no. So what we have to do is, first off, as an industry, understand and fully embrace the fact that there are trends. There are going to be trends in the marketplace. There will be consumer taste and preferences and movements in consumption. You navigate this three ways. By adjusting your production up or down, remember that is usually voluntary. Involuntary. Usually, the marketplace does not give you a lot of a lot of help there. It just says, "Here's the reality," and then some people are going to go out of business. As I said, 2,700 dairy operations closed their doors last year. You can create new products and innovate. That's working. It works well, in fact. And then, of course, there's a third option: changing your promotional methods. I give you the example about avocados. They've done a little bit of all that. Figure out a way to stick avocados everywhere. My God, it's in your sandwich. It's on your salad. It's on your toast. You've got it at the airport lounge right now where they're trying to throw avocados on some food with you. And then, of course, you've got the promotional methods. We must always realize that we in agriculture have the production thing down. We are good at making food. We are, with with the exception of weather-related catastrophic moments, like right now in Indiana, we're wondering if it's ever going to dry out. But barring catastrophic weather or locusts and disease, we pretty much have production figured out. We're good at it. So if that's the case, if it's not a matter of just can we make food, if it's not even a matter of can we process foods, ask Dean's. Dean's has got 58 facilities, closing them rapidly because of the milk glut and the decreasing demand for milk. If we already have production and processing down, what's that leave us with? It leaves us with innovation in product or promotion. 
You know, I think the people in dairy would do well to capitalize on the fact that whole milk is actually growing in consumption. It's the only fluid milk category that actually has an uptick right now because consumers do not fear fat as they once did because they found that information to be faulty. They found that science to be bunk. So why not promote the hell out of whole milk? Why not capitalize on some new alternative beverages? If soda pop is declining, why not be the alternative? There's a lot of option there for promotion. There's a lot of opportunities, in my opinion. But never forget that we in the business of agriculture are greater, more greatly impacted by trends than we ever have been. And that is not going to, the trend is against trends going away. Does that make sense to you? Of course it does, because we're going to have this reality. And I'm going to give you a couple of success stories. The American Egg Board invented as a checkoff program. In the 1990s, we had suffered through a great deal of anti-egg science. All this uh, low cholesterol, eggs are going to kill you. We got down to a low of 230 eggs per American per year of consumption. Did you hear that? 230 eggs per American per year in the mid-1990s. The incredible edible egg, and then the funding of some studies, and some new ways to push eggs, has grown that to 280 eggs in the year 2018. So we picked up 50 more eggs, or about a 20% bump, over that time, through promotion and marketing. They didn't really change the product. How do you change an egg? They did it through promotion and marketing. I'll tell you about chicken. Now, chicken, on the other hand, has got a positive trend. They don't have to do any marketing. There is no chicken checkoff program. There is no chicken marketing. Chicken simply exists as a very cheap protein. They decided as an industry, let's just be cheap. Let's be cheaper than pork and cheaper than beef, which they are, even cheaper than turkey. The year I was born, we consumed 38 and a half pounds of chicken per American. Last year, 93 and a half. Did you hear that? From 38 and a half pounds to 93 and a half pounds in the last 50 years. The trend is with chicken. The trend is not with beef. The trend is with chicken and the trend is not with milk. The trend is with avocados. The trend is not necessarily with many other agricultural products. Processed food. Seafood right now has pretty much stayed the same. That's why the shrimp people brought me in. We've been hovering around 15 pounds of total seafood consumption since the early 1980s. Shrimp might be capped out at 4.2 pounds. See where this all comes together? We in the industry of agriculture are never going to get away from trends. The best we can do is make the trend our friend, and we must do that to thrive. I'm Damian Mason. I really appreciate you joining me here. I wish the news was better for dairy as a dairy farm boy and a devoted drinker of chocolate milk. I wish the trend was better for dairy. And I got to tell you, more importantly, I wish the industry would call on me to help them implement some of these strategies like creation of new products, capturing a trend that exists right now, and changing promotional methods to appeal to the trend. No matter what you produce, I want the trend to be with you because I want you to be successful. Thanks for joining me here. Until next time, this is the business of agriculture.